Thanks for listening to this week's Hope at Crossroads. We are glad you're taking the time to listen. As you tune in today, if you need encouragement or prayer, please reach out to us by texting 864-288-1626. Or you can connect with us through our website, hope at crossroads.org. Spread the word to your friends and let them know they can subscribe at Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. And now, here's this week's message. Amen, amen. Glad to see you this morning. Again, if you're visiting with us, we're so glad you're here. I posted on uh, Facebook, I believe it was yesterday, a question. And I'm going to pose it to you this morning. What is the resurrection all about? Why did Jesus have to die? And what is so important about the resurrection? Now, I have a, a lot of friends on my Facebook page, by the way, who, who are believers. And I have some of them, I'm sure, who are not believers. But I will tell you, it was very interesting. Uh, the comments that were made by even a lot of believers... And I'm just going to tell you right here at the beginning of the sermon, I think part of the challenge in our world, even among us as Christians, is we don't really know what the crucifixion and the resurrection were for and what the purpose was for. Because I got a lot of great answers, and there, some of them were answers from you. I'm not going to call names this morning, all right? But there was pro- it's, probably, it's probably the longest chain of comments I've ever had on a... Facebook post. I'm, I'm just, I'm shocked. I mean, it's been great. Here were some answers. I don't know how you would answer the question, but again, here was the question. In a short sentence, why did Jesus die and ultimately rise? What was the purpose? What was the point? Here's what some people said. To reconcile us to God and conquer death. It's good. A sinless man was the only one that would qualify to be the sacrifice. Good. He died to pay for my sins. Okay, that's, that's good. That's good. Well, let's see here. Some of them are really long. I, you know, some people don't follow instructions. Have you ever noticed that? I said in a short sentence, and some people, it's like, you know, three pages later. I'm like, this would be good if you were in a seminary or theology class. We could just have this whole essay that you wrote, which I'm not going to take time to read that, that long. Uh, here is a comment, love for us. Jesus died and rose for our liberation from sin and to fulfill prophecy. He was the one-time atonement for sin. Communion. God's compassion. Restoration. Our bridge to heaven. Because uh, uh, he knew we needed a Savior. That's true. That's great. One person even was honest and said, very interesting question. I don't know if I have the answer. Let's see here. First and foremost, to glorify God. Now, I I won't um, argue with any of those answers. I will just tell you that all of them, and if you're a friend of mine on Facebook, go find the post and you can scroll and you can read the 150 so far, I think, comments. You can read them for yourself. All of those are somewhat true. Well, they're all true, but they fail really at giving the full answer to why Jesus came, died, and rose again. And I think, if I was, just to be honest with you this morning, and you know that I always am, I I think 
that shines a light on perhaps why, why some of us as believers are struggling to get through this life. Now, I'm not discounting the challenges that we face in life, persecution, sin, uh, dare I say politics, all the junk in the world. I'm not discounting that. I'm just saying, if you even excluded that, I see a lot of people who say they're Christians who are walking through life, and here's the ultimate question, are you living? Are you just scraping by trying to make it? Because ultimately, Jesus, I'm going to tell you the answer to the sermon at the beginning, so don't go to sleep and take the rest of the sermon off, all right? But ultimately, Jesus came, and we're going to discover for one primary purpose. All those things that I just mentioned are a part of it. All the statements people posted on my Facebook page are a part of it. But ultimately, here's why Jesus came. Are you ready? To give you life. To give you life. That's why he came. Otherwise, if Jesus had not come, you, according to Scripture, according to God's Word, you deserve to be dead. And so do I. For the wages of sin is death. But... The free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And eternal life, by the way, starts the moment you say yes to Jesus, not the moment you die physically and wake up, hopefully, in heaven. That's not when eternal life starts. Eternal life starts the moment you say yes to Jesus Christ. And here's my concern, and I'm just being truthful and honest with you this morning because I lived, unfortunately, as supposedly, as a Christian for many, many years. If you had stopped and somebody had asked you, are you a Christian, I would have said yes. And I wasn't really a Christian. I was surviving, trying to do the things that God wanted me to do, not realizing Jesus already did all the things God wanted me to do. That's why he came. He came to bring us life. And Olivia so uh, wonderfully read Mark chapter 16. If you've got your Bible, you might want to put your finger there because I'm going to be jumping back and forth just to give us full context of what some of the other gospel writers said, Matthew and Luke, their version of the events when the ladies went to the tomb. And we're going to discover some things, I think, this morning that will help us really answer the question, are you living, are you alive? And church, if there's ever a day that people outside the church need to see those of us inside the church who say we're believers acting and living like we're alive, it's today. I think there's probably some people, dare I say it, even in this room today, I love you, even in this room today, that you think you're a Christian simply because you went through the mechanics of maybe shaking a preacher's hand or saying yes or praying some prayer or getting baptized or putting your name on a church roll and you think you're a Christian, but if you would be honest with God this morning and he could peel back the recesses of your heart and look at your heart, he would say, and you already know, I don't have to tell you, you already know, he would say, you don't really know me. You are barely surviving. It's like you're grasping for air. Because here's the deal. When you are really set free, and I so appreciate our worship team this morning because every single song was theologically correct. And there are some songs we sometimes sing in church that aren't, they make us feel good, but they're not exactly theologically correct. And the truth of the matter is, when we are alive in Jesus, when we're truly alive, it manifests itself. It is obvious there's some things that we can see and that we learn and that we know if we're actually really alive or if we're actually just trying to Christianize ourselves. 
And I grew up in church, and it was for many, I grew up in a great church, great Christian home. But it was for many years that I thought that Jesus came just to make me better. Or Jesus came, and he died on the cross, and he was resurrected for like a self-help kind of thing to make me just kind of clean up, make me look a little more cleaned up. Jesus didn't come to make you get cleaned up. Jesus didn't come to make you better. Jesus didn't come to give you a self-help thing. Jesus came to recreate you from the ground up, inside out. That's how you get life. Otherwise, you're just dressing up a pig and putting lipstick on it. Which some of you said, I look that way this morning. God bless you. Thank you for the compliment this morning. He's wearing a tie. I am. It's Easter Sunday. I'm wearing the one tie that I own. You can even make a pig look nice. Occasionally. So are we living? Are we alive? Are we just functioning? Let's read it together. Mark chapter 16 real quickly says, When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Salome brought the spices that they might come and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, they'd come to the tomb when the sun had risen. And they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And they looked up and they saw the stone had been rolled away, although it was extremely large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right, wearing a white robe, and they were amazed. And he said to them, don't be amazed, you're looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who's been crucified. He is risen. He's not here. Behold, here's the place where they laid him. But go and tell his disciples and Peter, he's going before you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he said to you. And they went out and fled from the tomb for trembling and astonishment, and had gripped them. And they said nothing to anyone but they were sore afraid. And after they had risen on the first day of the week, he first appeared to Mary Magdalene, whom he had cast out seven demons. And she went and reported those things she had seen with him and been with him while they were mourning and weeping. And when they heard that he was alive and had seen, been seen by her, they refused to believe it. And after that, he appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking along on their way to the country. And they went away and reported it to the others, but they did not believe them either. Later he appeared to the disciples themselves as they were reclining at the table and he reprimanded them for their unbelief, their hardness of heart because they had not believed those who had seen him after he had risen from the dead. And he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. So why did Jesus ultimately give his life on the cross? Why did he ultimately rise? He came to bring us life. First Thessalonians says it this way, chapter 4. If we believe that Jesus rose and died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. John's gospel account, when John talks about the story, he, and if you remember when Jesus went to go see Mary and Martha because Lazarus had died, Jesus said to them, they were freaking out, they were worried, Lazarus is dead, where are you, why'd you wait till the last minute to come, it's too late, he's already dead, he's in the tomb, it's going to stink, you know, if you open it, what's going to happen, he's dead, he's dead. And Jesus said something very profound to both of them that connects with what we're talking about today, John chapter 11, here's what Jesus said to Martha. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Is what he asked them. I ask you this morning, do you believe this? Few of you do. Praise the Lord for you. Hallelujah. Thank you. You took your vitamins this morning. truth of the matter is, if you look at our culture among those who say that they're Christians, it doesn't look like most of us believe that to be true. 
People are calling in now, even wanting an answer to that question. They're calling to say, yes, I believe, I believe. Thank you, thank you. Line one. Who's going to get line two? It's Jesus is calling. He's calling you, tenderly calling. The question then becomes, if Jesus said, and that's only one place he said it, he said it frequently, that I've come that you might have life, John chapter 10, verse 10, and have life more abundantly. If that is the truth, if that's why Jesus came, in addition to all the other Facebook comments, but ultimately all them summed together, Jesus came to bring us life, then the question then becomes, are you living? And you'll remember, perhaps, when we went through our study of uh, the Gospel of John, John, I love it, summarized his whole book and said, everything that I've recorded in here, everything that I have shared with you about the miracles that Jesus did, everything that I've told you about his death, his resurrection, I have told you all these things. Anybody remember why John wrote that entire book? Here's why. I'll tell you. Refresh your course. Here's what he said, John chapter 20, verse 30. Many other signs Jesus performed in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book. He said, but I wrote, these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, don't miss it, you may have life in his name. Are you living? Are you living? That's the question this morning. First Peter says it this way, we sung about it this morning, First Peter chapter 1 verse 3. Praise be to God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope. It's a great song. But we're not just singing songs, we're singing truth of God's Word. Romans, Paul said it this way, The death He died, He died to sin once for all, but the life He lives, He lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive in Christ Jesus. I don't know, you know, in our culture, quite honestly. We don't like to think about death. I don't like to think about death. But I want you to think about it just for a second. What's going to happen when you die? What's going to happen when you die? Do you, have you thought about it? Not a happy thought, is it? When you start thinking about it, wow, all kinds of things come to your mind. I was coming back home Friday night from visiting some friends. Actually, Saturday morning, the wee hours of the morning, about 2 a.m. On this side of Atlanta, I'm coming up I-85. And there's one of those double semis in front of me. The back of, it, back of it's probably not even as far as the back wall back there. I mean, right in front of me. Wee hours of the morning, not a lot of people out there. I'm in my truck. There's a guy kind of over here. I saw my side mirror in a pickup truck. And I'm watching this 18-wheeler, one of those double-carried things, you know. And all of a sudden, he starts drifting this way. So I slow down just a little bit. And I'm probably running 70, 72. Okay, 75. <laughs> Some of you know me. I saw the eyebrows raising. Okay, 77. Okay, 77. 
And I'm watching. And he drifts over. And just as I'm thinking to myself, I bet he's fallen asleep. He, he must have woke up. Because you see the front end of the cab, he jerks back this way. And then the second trailer starts fishtailing. Next thing I know, it gets, air gets under, it comes up, flies sideways. The whole two, two uh, containers fly, slide around this way. I mean, it's, it's like where Joe, my brother Joe, is standing at the back door. It's not even this far away. And I see that happen. And I see the cat. It was just before a bridge. And luckily, the cab goes off the shoulder and hits the concrete pillar of the bridge and wraps around this way. So I'm slamming on brakes. I see the guy in the pickup side me slam on brakes. We go in the median and go around because he's blocked the whole interstate. And luckily, the other driver was smart enough, too, to, to respond because had we not responded that quick, we both would have just gone into that back of that trailer. And I even got, I've told Lynette that happened, but I even haven't really even got to tell her yet. That, that image, even last night, I couldn't go to sleep. I'm, I'm seeing that happen. I had my phone right there in the center of the dash, so I grab it. I'm dialing 911. I'm jumping out. I throw my hazards on. I'm jumping out of the truck. I'm running back there. The other guy's running back there. Somehow, between me calling 911 and the time the other guy and the other pickup goes over to the, the tractor trailer, the driver's, he's, he's out, he's dazed, big guy, probably 6'4", 300 pounds, young guy, maybe in his late 20s, early 30s. And I mean, his arm, I won't get graphic because some of you might not can handle it, but just. So the guy goes, I'll be right back. I got the ambulance, ambulance people, all of them say they're coming, the officers are coming, they're coming, okay, great. He says, I'll run back to my pickup, I'll grab some bandages and stuff. He goes and grabs some bandages, comes back, we're trying to wrap this guy up to keep him from bleeding. Long story short, they, they got there and took him off. But on the whole ride home, I'm just thinking, what if I'd been maybe six feet closer to that truck? We don't like to think about death. But I'll give you a guarantee. Money back guarantee. Everybody in this room is going to die. And when you wake up, and you will, you're going to wake up and step into life somewhere in one of two places. Either heaven with the Prince of Peace and the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords that we've sung about, who's living and alive and reigns even right now, or you're going to wake up in another place that we don't like to talk about called hell, which hell is not hell because it's hot. It's not hell because the devil's there. It's not hell because he's standing there holding a pitchfork. It's not hell because you're going to party all your life down there with the devil. That's not why it's hell. It's hell because God is not there. That's why it's hell. And the only thing that's holding our world together right now, as crazy as it is, is the hand of God that has just not said, I'm going to let you guys just go and throw us out into the cosmos, and then literally all hell would break loose. So I think that, that's physically, but here's, here's, here's the situation, church. The reality is there is spiritual death just like there's physical death. And we can be spiritually dead or we can be spiritually alive. I don't know if you watch those medical shows. My wife is into some of those, like Chicago Med and some of those things. I try to watch some of those, and inevitably in some of those scenes, I'm like, i got to go to the refrigerator and get some tea. I can't watch that. I'm going to pass out right here in the den. I can't handle some of that stuff. 
you know, looking at some of those bodies and things that are going on, it's like, how do you do that? You know, she's over there taking notes for the new book. Oh, I got that. I'm, make, I'm making a note on that. Like, no, no, no. I can't handle it. But if you think about it just for a minute this morning, just for a minute, I want you to think about it. Because if Jesus came ultimately to bring us life, I just want to suggest that perhaps there's maybe even one, even if it's only one. There may be more than one, but there may be a few of us this morning that are Christian. But we are walking around like spiritually dead people. You say, Pastor, how do you know that? Well, there's some similarities to dying physically, and there's some similarities for dying spiritually. I don't know if you've ever watched people. I've seen a few people in my life, unfortunately, as they're approaching death physically, and you see some interesting things that that give you indicators that life physically is coming to an end. You think about the way their breathing happens and their movements and their heartbeat and the little beep, beep, their EKG and all that medical stuff, the printouts and all that kind of stuff. All those things, doctors and sometimes us, we can see those things and we know physically death is coming. Can I tell you the same thing is true spiritually? There are some things that we can look at. I can look at you. You can look at me. God has given us eyes, logic, and wisdom. And we can look and we can see spiritually if maybe our friend, our family member, our child, our parent, our loved one, Though they may say, oh, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. We may be able to actually tell, well, are you really? Are you spiritually approaching death? Let me just mention a few of them this morning. How do we know if we're really living? Here's the first one. If we're really living, we live and we react to the light. That's the first one. We live and we react to the light. Mary was standing outside the tomb. And you can look at, again, Matthew's translation or his, his account. You can look at John's account. You can look at Luke's account. That's one of the great things about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's called the Synoptic Gospels is the big theological word. It's four different eyewitness accounts or testimonies about what happened. And, and they give different input just based on their personality. If you read Luke's account, Luke was a doctor, so he talks a little more things about more detail, a little more medical type outlook on it. But here's the first thing you should know spiritually. If you really are living, if you really receive the life that the Lord Jesus came to give you, you will react and you will live according to the light. How did Mary do it? Well, she went to the womb. She was weeping. And she sees an angel. John's account says, actually, no, there were two angels. And they're sitting there, one at the head and one at the feet, in the tomb at the place where Jesus' body was laying. And they ask her, hey, why in the world are you weeping? Why are you weeping? John chapter 20. And she says, because they've taken away my Lord. I don't know where they put him. When she said this, she turned around and she saw Jesus standing there. She didn't know it was Jesus. And Jesus said, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She thought he was the gardener, John tells us. She thought he was the gardener. And so she says, sir, if you've, if you've carried him away, please tell me where you put him because I want to go and see him. And Jesus said, hey, Mary, Mary. Maybe with the same tone that he used when he first called her. Mary, 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 Mary. And she recognized finally his voice and she said, teacher, rabbinai is what John says that she said to Jesus. And Jesus says, stop clinging to me and go tell my brothers and sisters And so she went immediately and she announced to the disciples, I've seen the Lord. She lived and reacted to the light of the world who is Jesus Christ. 
So here's the opposite question. If you want to know if you're spiritually dying, do you react to the light? Or you just kind of go... And one thing you'll know, and you've probably seen or maybe you've learned this from medical television. If they're not sure the patient's reacting, the doctor will go, he'll pull out a little flashlight, open the person's eyes. And if the person doesn't react to the light, then the doctor will go, there's no reaction. There's no reaction. They're, they're, They're not there. Are you reacting to the light? Or, or is when, when God shows up, whether it's in a service or a small group Bible study or one-on-one conversation or whether you're singing and the Holy Spirit's kind of knocking at your heart, do your eyes just kind of, just kind of glaze over? It's all right if they do because I've been there before. And we, got, we have seasons of life, church. Don't miss this. We have seasons of life where we're more spiritually on fire than other times. I get that. But if you look over the sum whole of your life as a Christian, and most of it, if it, you saw a, a digital printout of an EKG, and yours is just almost flatline all the time, you might want to take spiritual inventory this morning and just say, do I really know Jesus, or am I just, have I just Christianized my church membership? There's a big difference. There's an eternity of difference. So do you live and react to the light? Mary did. Mary did. Matthew's gospel says that there was actually so much light. I love Matthew's account of it in Matthew chapter 28. After the Sabbath, when Mary went to the tomb and the other Mary came to the tomb, they got there and there was this huge earthquake. And that earthquake is what shook so violently that this huge stone that some biblical scholars say, I haven't gotten to go to Israel, we're, we're taking a trip, start saving your money, we're taking a trip. Some of you keep asking me, when are we going? When are we going? We're going to go in 2025, all right? We'll figure out the dates, but we're going. I have never been, but I've been told by people that go, when you see the tomb where they think Jesus' body was placed and what they project was probably the size of this rock, it wasn't just a little pebble that somebody could go over and go, no, this was probably several tons. And when this earthquake happened and it shook violently and this stone rolled out of the way and here these angels descended and they came and they sat upon the rock. The Bible says, Matthew's account says in verse 28, chapter 3, that there was so much light and so much reaction from this earthquake that there were lightning bolts and the angels' clothes turned white as snow and they're glowing and they're shining. She reacted to that. She didn't just go home and go, well, that was, that was cool. I can't wait to go to Regal Cinemas, pay another $10 to see that. That was pretty, that's pretty awesome. No, it moved her to react. Are you living? Are you reacting to the light? If you are, then you'll know that's one of the things that can identify you to pursuing and having grasp hold of the life that Jesus came to give you. By the way, let me just say this. There's no conditions, just so you know. I know our culture makes it hard. There's no conditions to receiving the life that Jesus has for you. You know how you do it? You just go, thank you, Lord. You don't have to show up at church 52 Sundays in a row or read your Bible 150 days in a row. or any. There's no kind of hoop. There's nothing that you have to do to receive the life that Jesus, our Heavenly Father, offers. All you got to do is when he does this, is go, thank you, Lord. Oh, Jack, you're making that too easy. There are some things that you're supposed to do. There are some things that you will do 
and you will want to do, if you have genuinely received the life Jesus offers, you will want to do those things. Because you'll recognize what an incredible gift that is. Number two, you'll be spiritually awake. If you really have grasped the life that God has for you, you'll be spiritually awake. I love this. Luke's gospel says this as well. When they came... And those two angels were there gleaming, the Bible says, in their gleaming clothing. And the women, they were terrified. They started bowing to the ground in terror. And, and the angels say something very interesting. They say, why are you seeking the living one among the dead? Why are you coming here among the dead things? Where dead things would be, you need to be where life is. They were spiritually awake. They recognized this. Here's my concern for us as, as believers, as you're, you're my brother and sister in Christ. Here's my concern. There's times we often in our culture, even as believers, go looking for things that will give us life in things where there are a lot of dead things. And then we wonder why it's so challenging to live this Christian life that God called us to live. It's challenging enough to follow Jesus with the life he's given us. I will tell you it's not just challenging. I will tell you it's impossible to follow Jesus and not be alive in Jesus. It's like dragging a dead carcass around. We have to be spiritually awake. We have to be spiritually alive. Number three. For spirits, if we've grasped that life that Jesus has for us because of the resurrection, we'll have a hunger for God and the things of God. Luke says this, Luke chapter 24. The women were terrified. They bowed their faces to the ground. The men, the angels said, why are you seeking the living among the dead? Why are you here? He's not here. He's risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was in Galilee, the angels say, saying that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day he would rise from the dead. And here's the key, verse 8. All of a sudden they remembered the Lord's words, and they left the tomb to go tell all that they had seen to the rest. They remembered those words. They clasped his feet. Matthew's gospel says this, when the women left the tomb with fear and with great joy and they ran to the disciples, they ran into Jesus and they met him and they fell down at his feet and they grasped his feet and they started worshiping him. They had a hunger for God. They had a hunger for Christ. They had a hunger for the things of God. If you and I say, church, if we say we're a Christian and we do not have a hunger for the things of God. That is a very significant litmus test where God is trying to tell you you might want to take spiritual inventory and see how close you really are or if you even know Jesus. Are you tracking with me this morning? I see so many people just through the week not just at Crossroads, but through the week and all over the place. 
who say I'm a Christian, and then you ask them about things happening in their life, and, well, how's it going with so-and-so? Well, it's going pretty good. And then you find out what so-and-so is his girlfriend. And, well, how's it going? Well, we're doing fine, you know. Uh, we're doing all right. She's, uh, she slept in this morning, blah, blah. And then you find out that they're living together, and then you find out this and this and this, and you want to go, wait a minute. You just said you're a Christian. And you're not hungering after the things of God. Stop saying you're a Christian. Because you're lying. Now does that mean that we all don't fall into sin occasionally? That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying if your life is habitually walking away from God. And doing things that don't honor God. And doing things where you have no hunger for God. Please church, please take a spiritual inventory. And be honest with yourself. Not for me. I get no more brownie points whether you come to Jesus or you don't. It doesn't matter to my existence. I know Jesus and I'm going to heaven, but it'll matter to you. Don't fool yourself into thinking you're a child of God if you have no hunger for the things of God. The Holy Spirit of God, once you accept and retrieve and apply the life that God has given you through His Son, Jesus Christ, once you apply that to your life, you will. You won't have to manufacture it. You won't have to wake up in the morning and go, I just want to hunger God. God through His Holy Spirit will put that in your heart and you will want to hunger after the things of God. And as a matter of fact, when you don't have hunger after the things of God, and maybe you, and I do this too, by the way, preacher ain't no better than you, when you occasionally look toward things that aren't of God and you go in that direction, you know what God will do? God will go... Because He's your Heavenly Father and He loves you. And he will not allow you to continue to go in the direction of sin and not chase you down. Any more than you would your own kids. When my kids who are older in their 20s now do something wrong, I will, I've had to learn there's different tactics now as they get older. Sometimes a kick in the pants doesn't work. Sometimes the wonderful B-E-L-T don't work anymore. I mean, it looked kind of interesting, a dad kind of pulling the belt off for his 22, 23, 24-year-old. But I will do it if I need to. Our Heavenly Father loves us. He is not going to allow us to continue to walk away if that's going to pull us away from Him. So do you have a hunger for the things of God? These women were terrified. They thought the Savior of the world had died and it was over. And then they go to the tomb and it's empty. And then they see Jesus walking and they're like, oh my gosh. And they run down and fall at his feet. And instantly after they see him, they want to go tell everybody about it. Church, I think the reason most people don't come to Jesus, just being honest. I think most people don't come to Jesus because they're not convinced those of us who say we love Jesus really believe what we say. So how do you know that? Well, just to be really honest, I've had them tell me that. And you probably have had some of your friends tell you that too. So if we really are alive, if we're really living, if we really grasp the life that Jesus came to give us, we'll have a hunger for God and the things of God. The other thing that we'll have is we'll be connected will be connected to community. Their immediate reaction 
when they saw Jesus, was to fall at his feet, and their immediate reaction after that was to go tell everybody. Let's grab as many people as we can and tell them Jesus is alive. They didn't want to keep it to themselves. They wanted to connect as many people as possible together. Mary Magdalene says it this way, John chapter 20. She came and announced to the disciples, I've seen the Lord. Matthew's gospel says this, the women left the tomb quickly and they ran to report to the disciples and they remembered his word and they returned from the tomb and they reported all the things to the disciples and to all the rest. They went out and they wanted to connect people to the truth of God. The fact that he was alive. Church, if you, if you truly are alive, you will have a heart and a desire, if I could put it this way, for community. The opposite is true if you're spiritually dying. I don't know, again, if you've been around people who are spiritually, uh, physically dying. There's a very similar correlation if you're physically dying. People start to isolate themselves. Get less social. Don't want to be around anybody. And those of you who have lost loved ones, like I have, you, you, you can see they're... they're they're pulling back because they know the end is near. Spiritually, church, some of you in this room spiritually, you, you, are, you are pulling back. Can I beg you? Can I beg you? Can I please beg you? Yes, I can. And I will beg you. Please get connected with brothers and sisters in Christ. God did not call us to be a lone ranger. There is no such thing. Show me in the Bible. Show me in the Bible. Show me in the Bible. There is no such thing as lone ranger Christianity. And the reason some of us struggle and the some of us don't really look like necessarily we have life in our bones spiritually is because we're trying to follow Jesus all by myself. Don't want to be. That's not the way God wired us. If I didn't have spiritual community, I would dry up like a dry sponge. It's one of the reasons on Sunday morning, I can't wait for you guys to get here for us to be together. Richard Smith and I are usually here about 7 o'clock in the morning because I'm just like, oh, come on, come on, I'm ready, I'm ready. Come on, let's go, let's worship together. Let's be together. The power of community, these ladies knew that. They knew the gift of life that Jesus had brought was something for everybody. And by the way, let me just say this. It's not just for people who go to Crossroads Baptist Church. It's for every Bible-believing church around here. I pray for all the fellow pastors in this area that they will be fruitful and effective and God will keep them together because Crossroads Baptist Church cannot win this community by ourselves. We are a local community of faith. They're a local community of faith. They're all of us together, the bigger community, the power of God through that community is what changes people's lives. Are you connected? Are you alive? Are you struggling? Last one. You're spiritually strong if you have life. You're spiritually strong. My dad is getting close to 80. I was over there a few weeks ago and he had some couple bags of bird seed in the back of his truck. They were probably 50 pounds each. And he's like, uh, I need to get the bird seed out of the back. And I'm smart enough to know from. Being married 26 years, that's, that's a hint. 
So I said, Dad, I'll, 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 I'll go get it. And I went out there front, pulled in their driveway where the, his pickup was, and slid the back bag out there. Ugh, you know, kind of got one over the shoulder. And when I, I started remembering, I started thinking back. Man, I remember when uh, I was 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, and he was in his early 40s, and man, he could, can I say this? You'll edit this out, right? He, he could whoop my tail. I mean, he, and he's, still, he's still strong and tall. But I mean, a 50-pound bag of birdseed, he'd have just gone, thrown it on his shoulder. Actually, actually he'd have got, but some of you guys in here can do this, I know. My famous guy in the back back there, Mr. Shane, grabbed two couple bags and he could be walking around like this. You know, my dad used to could do that. But as he's gotten older and as we physically get older, it's interesting some things that happen. Physically, as we get older, it's just, it's just the way that life works. We start to, our atrophy happens to our muscles and our muscles start to weaken. And that's a sign that we're getting older. It's a sign that we are approaching at some point death. It's normal. It's normal. It's okay. The same thing, though, is true when it comes to spiritually. The only difference is spiritually what should happen if we're continuing to grab the life that Jesus has for us, we'll never get too old that we'll get weak. Because we will be depending on the strength and the power of Jesus in us. Life. So here's the thing. Are you alive? Are you living? If you're not living, and this morning you'd say, wow, Pastor Jack, I, I don't know about some of those things. I really don't know if I have grasped the life that Jesus has for me. If you haven't grasped the life that Jesus has for you, with all the love in my heart, I'd say you, you're missing the point of the resurrection. That was the point. that He's, he's not on that cross anymore. He's alive. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, He's alive in you. Another quick theological question. I promise we're done. When did the Holy Spirit come? Some of us are going to say, well, you can find that in Acts. Yes, you can. But if you actually read the account of Jesus' resurrection, when all these things are happening... John chapter 20, verse 22, tells us actually something a little bit different. I've read that chapter, I don't know, a couple hundred times. And I just kind of discovered it. Didn't discover it because it's always been there. But kind of saw it this week for the first time to go, wow. The Bible says in John chapter 20, verse 22, that Jesus was with his disciples. When he showed up and had to put his... You know, Thomas was the doubting one, right? And he showed up among his disciples. He said to them, Peace be unto you, just as the Father sent me. I am sending you. When he said this, he breathed on them and gave them the power of the Holy Spirit. I've always wondered, how did the disciples do all this stuff after Jesus ascended? And they did all this stuff because the Holy Spirit, we, we think came later. It came later to everybody else, but according to this right here, one of the reasons the disciples were spiritually strong, and one of the reasons that we know they grasped the life that Jesus offered is because Jesus gave them the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Now, some of you are freaking out, and we got to go because it's almost 11 o'clock. This is a sermon for another day. But some of you are freaking out when you hear Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost. That really scares some of you when you start talking about the ghost. Holy Spirit, you and I cannot live the Christian life without the power of the Holy Spirit. Can't do it. So how do you know? I know because I tried for about nine years. So are you living or are you alive? Let me remind you what John said, and we're done. He said in John... Chapter 20, verse 30. Many other signs Jesus performed in the presence of the disciples, which aren't written in this book. But I have written these things so that you will believe. So that you'll believe. And you'll notice in Mark chapter 16, there's many people that Jesus appeared to. And it says, they did not believe. They did not believe. They did not believe. John says he wrote the things in his book so that we would believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And by believing, we might have life in his name we might have life in his name so here's the thing if you don't have him you don't have a life if you don't have Jesus you don't have life he paid a debt he owed he paid a debt I did not owe I owe he paid a debt I owe I could not pay that debt I owed a debt I couldn't pay. I needed somebody to wash my sins away. And Jesus Christ came and not only washed my sins away, but he came to bring me life. Do you have it? Would you pray with me this morning? Father, thank you for your goodness to us today. I pray, Lord, in the quietness of this moment that you would speak to our hearts. Church, I'm just going to ask you if you would just right there in your seat just to pray. If you know Jesus, would you just pray if there's any here today that don't know the Lord, that they would hear his voice? And for all of us, preacher included, the question is simple this morning. Are you living? Are you living? Don't get me wrong, I know life has its struggles. Are you trying to do it on your own? Jesus is here for you today. In just a moment, we're going to stand, we're going to have a closing song. We call it an invitation because you're invited to respond to how God's spoken to you this morning. And there are a lot of ways you can respond. You can come down here at these steps, we call it an altar. You can come down to the front and pray. I'm going to ask my friend Heath in just a moment to come join me. You can grab his hand or mine and just say, Pastor, I just want you to pray with me. I'm struggling today. Or You may say today, you know what? I need to receive life, the free gift of life that Jesus has for me. Wow, what a day to take that gift, to receive that gift. And if that's your heart desire, we'll be here at the end of the service to pray with you and tell you how easy it is to accept that free gift. Maybe this morning you've been visiting Crossroads for some time and you're ready to put your roots down here. We would love to have you. This is a church that loves people and loves Jesus. We would love to have you. You might want to come down this morning and just say, I'd love to unite and be a part of this church. Put my roots here. I want to be a part of this community that will help me grow. We'd love to have you. I don't know how God's speaking to you this morning. Are you alive? Are you living? Do you need Jesus today?
If you need the Lord today, it's a simple prayer. It's just receiving that gift. Lord, I, I, I am trying to get through life by myself. I even maybe thought I was a Christian, but I've not really received the life that you offer, the reason you gave your life on a cross, the reason you rose from the dead. If that's your prayer today, just simply tell the Lord that right there in your seat. Say, Lord, I need that life today. I need that life today. Is that you while you're praying, every head bowed, every eye closed? If that's you this morning, you just say, Pastor Jack, pray for me before we sing our closing song. This one, pray for me. I need to receive the life of Jesus. If that's you, would you just look up at me or slip your hand up so I can, you can get my attention so I can just pray for you as we close our service today? Anybody you'd say, I need the life that God has for me? Anybody? Amen. Anybody else need the life that Jesus has? It's a free gift, by the way. Absolutely free gift. Father, I pray you'd have your way during this invitation. And speak to our hearts. Help us to be obedient. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. I'm going to ask you, if you would, to stand with us this morning. And the words will be on the screen. Familiar hymn. If you know the words, just sing along with us this morning as we sing together. If you need to respond then Heath and I will be here this morning to receive you this morning. We hope you've been challenged and inspired from today's message. You can find out more about the message you have heard today by visiting our website, hope at crossroads.org. If you live in the upstate South Carolina area and you're looking for a church home, we hope you'll come by and visit sometime. Details about our church and service times can also be found online. In addition, we want to invite you to check out some of the great items at our website that will help you, or you can give as a gift to a friend. Devotionals and other resources are all available at hope at crossroads.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you will tune in again next week.